Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Our mission here at Jew in the City is to show the positive side of the Orthodox world that the media rarely displays. Um, it's also to show how Orthodox Judaism is relevant um, and can fit into modern times. Uh, of course, that doesn't mean that there are not challenges that come with living a life of, of observance and tradition in uh, you know the 21st century Western world. But um, by and large, um, we like to show that there's a lot of things that work very well um, that I think in many ways are ahead of the times, um, even as the world attempts to be more equal, more fair, um, more dedicated to, to doing the right thing. Um, there is sort of a, a topic that is in the news now for many, many months, um, and it's interesting because this is a topic that I think the Orthodox community has been featured about, um, unfortunately, um, for many, many years, and that is the area of sex abuse. Uh, we're several months now into the Me Too movement, um, and I think really every organization, every institution, every company is considering, you know, what boundaries are appropriate. And, you know, Mike Pence, before this whole thing started, you know, noted that he won't go out to dinner with a, a woman that he's not married to alone, and that sort of created a lot of controversy. Um, and now, you know, as we're hearing, I think it sort of slowed down at this point, but there was a while where it seemed like practically every day there was a new favorite personality that was being accused of, you know, some sexual impropriety. Um, and people started saying maybe Mike Pence blow off to have some sort of boundaries. Um, and so, you know, this is something that we as an organization are also considering. Um, how do we make our space as safe as possible, um, particularly Project Malcolm, because this is our first time um, having in-person programming. And so we recently got connected with an amazing organization run by a modern Orthodox woman named Shira Berkovitz called Jewish Sacred Spaces. Um, and like the name sounds, this organization was founded in order to help Jewish organizations create um, safe and appropriate spaces. And so um, they've been tremendously helpful for us. And, you know, as soon as I heard about them, I thought this would be a really great story to tell and information to share with our listeners about, first of all, if they're interested for their organization, but also just to know that this is, um, you know, happening right now. And just to give you a little bit of uh, background from our guest, Shira Berkowitz, um, she's both a lawyer and has a Ph.D. Um, she's a founder and CEO of Sacred Spaces. It's a role she's worked on with the Jewish community across five continents to prevent, handle, and heal from institutional abuse. Her book, The Child Safeguarding Policy Guide, was released this past summer and was an immediate Amazon bestseller. She holds a Ph.D. in psychology from the Graduate Center of CUNY, where she was an enhanced chancellor's fellow and an adjunct professor, and a J.D. from Cardozo School of Law, where she was a Monran Paulson fellow. She has completed postdoctoral psychology fellowships in child trauma and rehabilitative alternatives to incarceration. Prior to founding Sacred Spaces, she worked on criminal justice reform, youth advocacy, and child protection at nationally acclaimed organizations as the Innocence Project Center for Court Innovation and the Gunderson National Child Protection Training Center. In her work, she's represented battered women and adolescents' defendants, mediated legal disputes, and co-authored Rethinking Rikers for the New York City Board of Corrections which contributed to the end of juvenile solitary confinement at Rikers. Named to the Jewish Week 3,236, she's been involved in Jewish communal work for over a decade, serving as youth director at the Hebrew Institute of Riverdale, consulting for synagogue youth departments across the U.S. through the Orthodox Union, participating in the Paradigm Program, 
and AJWS Global Justice Fellowship, most recently joining Wexner's inaugural cohort of field fellows. She's a proud member of the Academy on Violence and Abuse, Colva O's, and Male Survivor. Shira, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Allison. That is an impressive bio. I'm also a 3636, so I can say I've got a little bit in common with you. Um, but, um, no, it's really very um, impressive what you've done and what you are, are doing now for our community. So um, I guess to start off with, because we gave a little bit of a, you know, an intro to your professional background and education, um, what's your Jewish background growing up? Well, I grew up in a modern Orthodox community um, in Staten Island. I attended RJJ also on Staten Island uh, Girls School, and then went to Prospect Park Benoslea High School in Brooklyn. I went to Sharfman in Israel for Shana Aleph, and then MMY for Shana Bat, and I spent most of my adult life at the Hebrew Institute of Riverdale. Very cool. So how and when and why did you take interest in this specific space? Um, I mean, you have a lot of degrees. Um, and so did you start off sort of going into psychology and then you felt like you found sort of the area that you were interested in or kind of how did your um, sort of professional development come to be? No, I'd say it, it more found me than me finding it, which seems to be how it happens a lot of the time. I was getting a PhD in psychology and went to law school uh, because I wanted to do work on criminal justice reform and was seeing uh, a lot of what we knew about the science of behavior and rehabilitation and punishment and what works and what doesn't. Uh, we were learning it as a discipline in psychology, and I wasn't seeing as much of it applied in the criminal justice system. So I thought, great, I'll go to law school and I'll get involved and that, and I did for a little while. And while I was in law school, on the side, I also happened to be consulting for youth departments. Uh, and in that work, I just thought, oh, okay, this is an issue I can speak about at an annual youth conference. And I thought I'd speak about it, I'd move on, and that would be it. Um, but the more I started talking about it, the more I realized people... Um, were hungry for information on this topic, and I really didn't know very much about it. And so I started to learn as much as I could, uh, and I started tailoring my legal studies towards this. I started, um, I did two additional postdocs uh, following my, my PhD, uh, and then I started looking at the Christian community and thinking, what are they doing? Uh, hmm. and, and, and how has, you know, they've had a, a lot of experience dealing with it, what are some of the reforms they've done? And it was only then that I came back to the Jewish community and thought, okay, we can do this. Let's go. So when um, when was the organization founded? How long has it been um, in existence for? We officially incorporated in 2016, so we are just shy of our two-year anniversary. So, I mean, things picked up majorly um, with Harvey Weinstein, right? I'm saying, have you... In terms of sort of being in the right place at the right time, not that any of this stuff is really a great place to be, but in sort of, you know, being needed, um, is there just a whole new level of organizations saying, oh, my gosh, we got to get our, our stuff straight? Yes. <laughs> so I'd say that uh, we founded this organization because um, it was clear that this was a need and organizations were interested. And so from the very get-go, 
there was never an issue of not enough people want this work. It, it was always everybody wanted information, and it was just, could we meet the need fast enough? And then, I guess you could say we skated to where the puck would be, um, yes. and then Me Too broke, right? Uh, and that was not something that we expected. In fact, I was just coming back from maternity leave, and we were a brand-new organization in existence for about a year. Um, mm. Things had exploded overnight. Um, and since then, it's been uh, pretty fast-paced at Sacred Spaces, and... Um, Look, it's it's an issue. There's more coming in than we can respond to, and there's been a wake-up call. And everybody, I think, well, not everybody, but most people or a lot of organizations get it um, and get that this is an issue that needs to be dealt with and needs to be dealt with now or needs to be dealt with yesterday. Uh, and so that's, that's the work that faces our community, and um, we're going to do our best to help. What services does uh, Sacred Spaces offer? So we offer a range of services, starting from helping institutions get ready to do this work, which includes uh, framing the issue in Jewish text, speaking with board members and generating buy-in, working with the community to raise awareness, uh, to an assessment of where is that particular organization at, at this moment, where are their weaknesses, where are their strengths. Um, that might be a physical building assessment. It might include interviews with people. And it definitely includes handling any skeletons that might exist in the closet because we can't do this work if we're, if we're not uh, honest about where the organization has been and what their history has been. Uh, and then the next step would be preventative work of policy development, which is a a really serious process in which we engage a committee of people in the organization itself to work with us in developing policies uh, that will guide daily interactions and programmatic uh, reality at the organization and prevent opportunities for abuse, uh, set cultures of accountability and transparency and respect, and help the organization respond. Uh, and then there's training of everybody at the organization. So. Uh, board, staff, uh, volunteers, constituents, and um, finally there's a crisis response. So if something does happen, uh, how do you respond to it? Uh, sometimes that includes investigation. Sometimes uh, it includes just walking an institution through what needs to happen next. Uh, and then um, maintenance and evaluation um, and review of the policy and the, the overall program at an organization on an ongoing basis so that the organization um, submits an open report to their membership or constituents, however they operate, mm -hmm. and that's an ongoing issue that they deal with and not a one-time thing. So how does this differ? How does your work differ? Meaning because, in theory, every organization, every company, every firm should have policies and procedures in place for nobody to be harassed or assaulted. Um, what do you offer that's specifically Jewish? And, you know, where were people going for this type of information before um, an organization like yours came about? So people were going, if they were going at all, they were going to lawyers um, or they were going to insurance companies. Um, and some lawyers and insurance companies are doing incredible work in this area. Um, that's really amazing. And sometimes, uh, and, and often when we're sent a policy to review, um, people say, hey, we have a great policy. Can you take a look at it? Um, and the policy might be nothing more than just a definition of what um, harassment or assault is and then a statement saying don't do it 
or it might be something that says, this is the law, abide by the law. Or mm-hmm. if it's a child protection policy, it might not include anything about children at all, and it might really be a policy about harassment for adults um, when when this is an organization that serves children. And so that's, that's some of what it can look like. So our policies, when we talk about policies, are, are very different. Uh, they're very specific to the organization. We talk about um, specifically how do we prevent the opportunity for abuse to occur. We make it... We, the policy is a document that anybody in the institution and the public can then go to the organization and say, look, it says in your policy that you will do X, Y, and Z, and I need you to do that, mm-hmm. as opposed to it saying something like, if an allegation emerges, we will respond immediately, or we will handle it responsibly, or we will comply with the law. Well, what does that mean, right? And mm-hmm. so our policies are very specific. They're Jewish. Um because we don't want our work, and, and we don't think that the way to make systemic change is to do this from a fear-based approach um, mm-hmm. to prevent a lawsuit or to satisfy um, people who are demanding it and angry about it. Rather, mm-hmm. we think that this should be proactive, um, preventative, and, and deeply embedded in Jewish values. And um, that, that means that, so for example... Um, if we're developing a policy, one yeshiva, uh, what we're doing with one yeshiva is we are writing before every policy topic a uh, pasuk, a verse from the Torah, mm-hmm. so that it's clear why it's imperative to do this, and, and we always frame our work that way. Mm-hmm. So what? Um, I mean, I, yeah, continue. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, another thing is that what we're really working towards here is a cultural shift. Sometimes it's not very clear what. It, when, when I say the word policy, people think, oh, yeah, policies, right? Um, it's a book, it's a, it's a document, it's something I stick on the shelf. But really, it's the process of developing the policy and not the policy itself um, that matters as much. And so it's that process of engaging the leadership in the organization so that we're building capacity for the organization as opposed to coming in as outsiders one time and saying, hey, here's what you need to know but rather we're working to shift that uh, that culture through conversation and education. I know, like, theoretically, and maybe I'm just too idealistic, um, and the truth is that, I mean, maybe I'm getting less idealistic because I'm seeing, you know, unfortunately, some horror stories from the, the Project Knock on Population, but ideally, culture around Judaism practiced accurately should create, you know, a safe space. I'm saying, and again, this I don't mean to say this, that they're, they're foolproof and, you know, no abuser has any ever gotten around this, but in a sense, by having things like Yichud and Nagia and Al-Tamod al-Damrayacha, don't stand idly by your neighbor's blood, um, and, you know, do, do we not sort of ingrained um, in our Jewish culture if we actually follow things correctly and, you know, didn't unfortunately abuse Judaism? I'm saying, would it not be there already to, to be doing the right thing? Yeah, I agree. I think that our culture and our history um, and our tradition sets us up for success. The values that are articulated in the Torah are ones that should make this work. So, for example, in Vayikra, we're told, um, in, in referring to the Nasi, we're told, Asher Nasi when a ruler sins, as if a ruler sinning is a foregone conclusion. So, like, in other other places where, where maybe the idea of leadership being infallible or, um, or, or the idea that a leader couldn't sin, it's not at all how we operate in Judaism. And we're told, no, if somebody is an SE, if somebody is a ruler, you can assume that they will sin. 
And then the question is, what do we do with that? What do we do with somebody sitting? And the entire Vayikra and all of this information about about carbonate and where sacrifices are brought and how and when and what you need to do, it's, it, it, that's policy, right? That's articulating for us exactly what we should expect in a communal space, in our communal organization, from our communal leaders. And so, yes, we have that blueprint. The question is, are we following it? And so on the specifics that you get into, so those are values, right, of how to set up a healthy, transparent organization. But when you get to the specifics like Yichud, I'd say absolutely that's a principle that can be helpful, but not necessarily in the exact formulation that we have it halachically. So Yichud applies across genders, but that wouldn't protect somebody within the same gender. And we know that abuse and assault and harassment can occur both across and within gender. So I would say that the principle of abihud, that um, interaction should be observable and interruptible, those are excellent principles that absolutely can contribute to a safer environment, particularly when you have a differential of power and should be used. And we put that into every policy. Uh, but if we were to insist on sticking to the specifics of the halacha, then then we'd have um, major loopholes that could be exploited. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed the last thing you said. If we insisted just sticking to the specifics of halacha, we'd have big loopholes or, or gaps that could be exploited. Got it, got it. Um, not only could be, would be. Right, and have been, and have been. Um, so, and maybe this is a hard question to ask, uh, to answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Do, do you have a sense, you know, I feel like at one point, um, you know, we heard so many stories coming out of the Orthodox community about, you know, molester rabbis, that sort of a thing, and then as the Me Too movement, you know, picks up steam, we find out that basically every institution is protecting its own um, and I guess I'm curious, like, it seemed, I guess, to me at first that maybe this is, you know, the insular, the, insular, the extreme, the people that are not as exposed to, you know, new ideas that are doing such things, but do you have any thoughts about why is it that even, you know, organizations and institutions that consider themselves to be, you know, with it or enlightened or, you know, modern are also, you know, were part of this sort of culture of protecting people? Um, and then do you have a sense of, are we doing better, worse, the same? Like, you know, I think we were highlighted more, but now that all these other cases are coming out, I wonder, were they just highlighting us more and there's just, you know, sort of scumbags everywhere? <laughs> Look, you know, when the, when the scandals um, or exposure of systemic abuse and cover-up in the Catholic Church emerged, um, for many years the Jewish community viewed this as a Catholic problem. And then there came widespread media coverage of abuse in the ultra-Orthodox world. And the more liberal Jewish community said, oh, it's an Orthodox problem. Right. But the reality is, this is not a Catholic problem. It's not a Jewish problem. And it's not an Orthodox problem. It's a human problem. Hmm. And so that, that's my first thing. This is a human problem, and this cuts across the board. And it doesn't matter who are, how smart you are, how educated you are, how liberal you are, how kind you are. The bottom line is that when we are faced with an allegation against somebody that we know, we love, we respect, we trust, or even just that we know, there's this, we, we just mess up. Institutions mess up every mm -hmm. single time, unless they have taken the time to think this through and have a plan of action 
and a mechanism for being held accountable to that plan of action, which doesn't depend on one leader or, 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 or trusting a, a small group of people, but rather it's that the entire system is set up to handle this. If that work hasn't been done in advance, then everybody's going to mess up because this is not the sort of thing that's just common sense and, oh, yeah, sure, I'll know how to handle it when it happens. Um, We're just seeing, especially at sacred spaces, when the cases come forward over and over again, the same patterns, the same mistake, and this is not unique to us or to the Jewish community. You could open a textbook and you'd see these same mistakes because this is human nature. Mm -hmm. You asked, you asked um, how the Jewish community is doing in regards to other communities. Um, and, of course, the word Jewish community is itself. Um, there are so many Jewish communities. Yeah. I say that, you know, by and large, we're dealing with the same issues that everybody else is dealing with. And, and we, need to, we need to do better. Uh, everybody needs to do better. And we are doing better in some things, and we're doing worse in other things. So there are particular issues which are sometimes problematic. So I'm sure this is not new to most of your listeners, but the idea that there's a prohibition against Nasira, or Lush, yeah. um, which would mean reporting crimes to the civil authorities, or Arkaod, adjudication in civil court, or Lush and Hara, um, of gossip and slander, um, all of that could, in theory, inhibit reporting to secular authorities. And the idea of chuva, repentance, shouldn't people be given a second chance? could lead us to welcome somebody um, and give them unlimited access when they really shouldn't be, or relying on Das Torah can mean that we defer to people, to rabbis who are in well-intentioned but inexpert in this area. But even, even though those are uniquely Jewish um, words and concepts, they're not, they're not uniquely Jewish um, issues. When we, work, when we do work outside of the Jewish community, we see the same issues. It just takes a different frame. So you could have a rabbi who says there's no halachic problem of reporting to the authorities in a case of abuse if Sira doesn't apply. And yet we're still finding that the communities are hesitant to report. And that's because it's not really about the halachic issue. It's about the underlying social issue um, and that that applies outside of, of the Jewish communities as well, which is I'm so nervous about the social reprisal, or I'm so nervous of getting this wrong, or, or, or what's going to happen to that individual's family. Um, so, so things like that. Can... So is there a point where, um, are you ever going to be out of work? Meaning, is there ever a point <laughs> where, um, I, I mean, I think about the day, like, when will I move on? Um, and at this point, I'm realizing that if, you know, we could ever sort of fix the problems that are the root of the Chilah Hashem, the root of people hating being Jewish, then, you know, maybe I could, you know, um, have some time, I don't know, to, to do something else. But I guess the question is, people are so clear about how to handle, you know, set up appropriate policies and procedures because they've worked at an institution that did things correctly and they've been part of a culture where things were handled correctly. Could there be a time one day in the future where... This will just become the new normal, and maybe someone will have, you know, a question for here or there, but institutions will have a new type of culture and will just conduct themselves differently? That's the goal. I mm-hmm. hope so. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really, really hope so. Uh, you know, we see it with fire code, with safe, with fire safety. You just mm-hmm. would never think of opening uh, an organization unless your building is up to speed. So... Right. 
that doesn't mean that there's no need for a fire department, and it doesn't mean that there's um, no need for fire safety and prevention and training of children and adults. Um, but it does mean that it, it it's something that, like, you just follow some clear, basic steps, uh, and then you've done it. And so, yes, I can certainly envision a time where every organization was just up to speed. We're embarking on a project now called our Safeguarding Children Campaign, which will be released, uh, which will be launched in the winter of 2019 with uh, funding from the UJA Federation of New York and some others. And our goal there is to set the standards of 10 best practices and to provide resources to youth-serving organizations in the community um, to implement and adapt these best practices. And my goal is that in five years, that if institutions take two of these best practices on a year for five years, in five years you're going to be looking at a new standard, a new norm in the Jewish community. And so we need to do stuff like that for every for every aspect of this issue. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think we can get there. This also may be a big question. I feel like every question that I have is like big and loaded. We have about three minutes left. Uh, but I guess just sort of the final thing that I'm thinking about is, in some ways, I feel like um, we are making more progress than ever talking about, you know, Aziz Ansari date, and is that a bad date, or is that, you know, some sort of assault? And so I feel like hopeful in some ways that we're really having the right conversations. On the other hand, technology has allowed, you know, human sex trafficking now to, I would imagine, to reach all-time highs. Now the lowlifes have just ways to buy and sell human beings. So do you have a feeling? Are we getting better? Are we getting worse? Is it a combination? Yeah, okay, so I appreciate that. I think that's right. I I can say that I think there's a plan and a way for us to get there and that I could envision a time when these things are basic and standard. And this has been a a problem since the dawn of time, and it's not going away. And, in fact, as you're saying, um, there's new technology and there are new ways that the problem will manifest. So I'm hopeful that we can create not to be too cheesy, but that we can create sacred spaces in our community where our communal organizations and our community members and our leaders are, are trained and knowledgeable and understand what to expect and not expect and don't tolerate certain things. But that doesn't really get to the individual bad actor or to the individual victim. And, uh, you know, that's a much bigger problem of how do we end it, uh, how, how do we end abuse of power, how do we end assault, how do we end... Um, trafficking, all of that, how do we end it? Um, and that's something that a lot of organizations and governments and people are working on. And as we do, um, continue to grow, there are many more organizations and many more partners putting their heads together in the Jewish community and beyond uh, to think this through. But I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Well, we are glad that you are uh, fighting the good fight in the meantime, Shira, and um, I so appreciate your time with us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. And you guys can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.